Hey, I'm Greg. And I'm Nathaniel. Welcome to Only an Inkling, where we only talk about the Inklings. And we only have an inkling of what we're talking about. <laughs> I actually have a note here about mind reading, because, um, and I don't mean like um, Miss Cleo mind reading, I mean like um, how we try to run off of assumptions and fill in the gaps before we really know something. Um, I, I just bring all this up because when you have something like a familial conflict or a conflict with a friend, assumptions are right there to mm -hmm. fill in all the gaps for you. <laughs> and they're usually wrong. Yeah. Assumptions are usually wrong. <clears throat> and they start to sneak in. That's when you can easily begin the deceitful work of mind reading. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, in cognitive behavioral therapy, this is a big thing to look out for. They're all over this. And mind reading is like when you start to say things like, oh, Jane just acts like that because she's jealous. Like you've, you've got the answer, obviously, yeah. about what the problem is. Or, you know, Gary's just trying to ma manipulate me, and that's why he said what he said. That's mind reading. And... These statements actually require a lot of research and foundation before they should be accepted as true. And many times they don't actually help the person who does the mind reading. They just make them feel more insecure and hurt. And imagine how strange that is on the outside when you start becoming hurt by things that aren't true. Real. They're real. Yeah. yeah. So talk about, you know, what a tactic by screw tape. Yeah. Well, let's get this person all tore up and bent out of shape about something that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wild when you put it that yeah. way. Yeah. You know. And so it becomes more like chains that wrap around them and debilitate them from being free. Well, then there's a unique caution from Screwtape about anger. He says, in a time of war, you would think that anger would be a go-to emotion in order oh, yeah. to fuel the war. This mm -hmm. this one caught me off guard. Yeah. However, Screwtape says this doesn't work as effectively as what Wormwood thinks. What the English, uh, the English people here, to which Lewis refers to, what they would come to find out in Screwtape's opinion is that perhaps their judgments about the Germans would be false. Yeah. And I was like... Is he really saying what I think he's saying here? <laughs> I had to keep rereading it. And, you know, so to wrap up the present letter, he brings us back to the topic of the will. He explains that our lives are like a series of concentric circles. The innermost part is the will. Mm -hmm. The second circle is the intellect. And the outermost is the fantasy or your imagination. Yeah. And a much better tactic, instead of focusing on their anger is to take the good virtues like benevolence and charity, which we'd all hope are part of our innermost circle, uh -huh. our will, where we actually put things into action, right? and push those good virtues into our fantasy or our imagination, where we only imagine that we're living them out instead of actually doing, doing it. it. Yeah. And then put all the bad actions into our will when they are actually better left in fantasy. Yeah, yeah. so he's saying... I think he says in here, uh, if I remember right, that it's better to encourage benevolence towards those who are so far off, such as the Germans, because that's all imagined and there's nothing you're actually doing, more than likely, or it's very minimal. Mm -hmm. And to 
and so that it, that's the that's how we get it into the into the realm of the fantasy is we we push it out to people that we don't really have contact with or, or relationship with. Yeah. And then and then by doing so, we also encourage those feelings of hatred or anger or vengeance or whatever mm-hmm. um, bitterness towards those we do interact with. Yeah. So he was uh, he was saying something along the lines here of. If you really want to put these virtues into your will, not just your imagination, well then focus on your family yeah. or your next door neighbor. Yeah. Because those are the real tangible things. For all the people that are stuck in their imagination, just imagining themselves as being more virtuous than they are. Yeah. He's like saying here in the last paragraph of the letter, actually those people think you're a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you think you're so good and lofty. Right, right. Like that's the person who's really missed the mark. Yeah. That's the one who has their virtues and their imagination. Yeah. And they think they're doing a good thing in their will, but they're just bad virtues. Yeah. They've got it totally backwards. Yeah. That's that that whole idea of you know, take care of your own house first mm-hmm. and then move on to beyond the borders of your own house you yep. know yeah so so in a way screw tape's caution to wormwood ends up being something like don't make the patient angry but make him angry <laughs> <laughs> and what he means by that is cause the patient to get angry without realizing it yeah that's the key is distraction and while causing him to always fantasize and think that he's benevolent yes that to me is so twisted, man. But so true. Yeah. So true. And that stuff can sound so far-fetched, but it's really not. It's like, um, let me just try to put some like really nasty statements on it to show, <laughs> show just how realistic it is. Let's hear them. <laughs> how about this one? Uh, it's like a white person who looks for a black person to hang out with after George Floyd is killed. In order to feel more virtuous about themselves, I'm, I'm really glad you went there because I was going to go there too. Oh yeah, well, not exact example, but same vein. Yeah, yeah. like let me find uh, the the black friend I have to show that I love black people. Yeah, let me uh, go hang out with my gay friend to show that I, I love gay. still love gay people. Yeah. Like that is like um, that requires but, a lot of reflection. But at the same time, if I'm following you correctly. Not that you shouldn't love them if they're your friends. It's not not what we're saying. But if I'm following you correctly, at the same time as you you go do those things, you also um, are displaying hostility towards your brother or your mom or your dad or somebody else. Well, it's me like that. That I don't know. (laughs) But what I do know is... um, what looks like on the exterior that you're really supporting that person, it's really just about you. Yeah. You're just doing that to make yourself feel better. It's taking your imagined virtues and you're just like inflating that even more. Yeah. It's like, okay, George Floyd was killed and that was an injustice. I better go hang out with my black friends so that... I don't feel any worse about this situation than I did. Yeah. And I put it under the guise of, like, oh, I support my black friends. You know what I mean? Right. And so, like, yeah, it's a, it's a tough line to delineate. I do support my black friends. I do love and support my gay friends. But if I'm, like, just going out to be around them during those, like, 
really tense times. It was really just to make myself feel more virtuous. Right. When really I wasn't, I didn't have those virtues in my will yeah. to enact out. Well, and it's a, it's also, so it's, it's inflating your virtues as you're saying, and it's also allowing you to feel like I'm not a part of this other group that I've decided is it's unvirtuous. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've deemed this group as terrible and I don't want to be associated. So by, by inflating my virtues over here and, spending time over here after this has happened well now i can alienate them and, and throw eventually if we follow screw tapes line of thought start throwing animosity towards them right right so yeah you start um pushing the people closest to you away yeah. without realizing it but you're still caught in those really high and lofty mm-hmm. values and virtues how twisted man um, you got let, another statement? Let me see if I got another one here. Just uh, stir the pot. <laughs> um, how about the pastor who is living maliciously but overlooks it because he preaches on Sundays and senses that that is God's will? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think we've seen plenty of those instances of um, pastors or speakers who have um, been caught in some kind of... Uh, issue or harassment or whatever but um they always came off as high and lofty and spiritually astute Mm -hmm. just because they had a platform and so once again they could easily keep doing these really inappropriate actions or harassment or assaults or whatever yeah and start to not sense any sort of guilt about them because they're like man look at my platform yeah it's like their actual will is hideous in the public's eyes yeah but because they're on this platform they're like oh yeah my virtues are are awesome yeah they're airtight and holy (laughs) (laughs) but then they end up just falling hard yeah let me see here i'm sorry did you have something you were going to say not in particular yeah so i mean it just it looks like feeling holier than thou because you can call out all these big themes on a podcast um but at the same time i want to say wait a minute um because the same thing has happened to me in my life yeah yeah and so oh it's real easy to point out a Uh huge a national situation like george floyd right or the fall of all of these um, pastors uh, but Lewis's words are for all, myself included, even for today. Yeah. And, I mean, as Screwtape concludes his letter, I had to quote him here through Screwtape. He says, All sorts of virtues painted in the fantasy or approved by the intellect or even in some measure loved and admired will not keep a man from our father's house. That's hell. Mm-hmm. Indeed, they may make him more amusing when he gets there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yow. Yeah. Because, yeah, even myself in this episode, I'm just very aware. Yeah. I, 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 I can do the same thing that I'm accusing people of. Like, look how awesome and virtuous I am because I made a comment about George Floyd. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or and nobody's free from this. I mean, my wife and I, when we first started going down a, a plant-based lifestyle, um, sorry, that was we, we were we went to veganism, and you know, it wasn't very long before we were judging people that didn't follow that lifestyle, and we were 
what? inflating ourselves for look how good we're doing and see this is morally better and better for our health mm. and you know all these kinds of things this was this was several years back and um now we both realize that that's not a good place to be but it's that same inflate my moral ego uh, but at the same time just make myself really ugly to others uh, um, can i push it a step forward and i'd love to hear yeah. your response to this what if what you're doing is morally better than what someone else is doing how do you still approach someone else yeah. or how do you view them He's thinking again. I'm he thinking. Goes, he goes quiet. <laughs> what, so what if it? What if what I'm doing is actually morally better? How do I approach that? Let's say veganism is like, because uh, hypothetically, well, I think some people they they truly they truly think that this is like a, a really good thing for the world. Right. And I I think it is. Um, but if you look at a meat eater and you're like. Man, they're doing a lot of damage to the world, yeah. to themselves, to their neighbor, to um, industries. Uh, how can you move forward without like condemning that person then, or thinking they're like morally, you know, yeah. just like? Well, I think, I think, at least as a Christian, we look at Jesus, you know, and he levels the playing field. And he, he says, you know, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes and you've committed adultery, if you say you hate your brother, you've murdered him, if you, if you, um, you know, look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't remove the plank, like there's this, he, he just hits home on this moral hierarchy really hard. Uh -huh. And I think we go, well, I'm really not so great, you know? I, I might be doing good in this little area, and it's a tiny area, mm -hmm. you know, like veganism. And in the next chapter, um, Lewis is going to address this even further, but veganism is... Um, oh, he know, addresses veganism? Not veganism, but he, he addresses this moral, this moral stuff uh, a lot more. And <clears throat> it, it, veganism might be hypothetically, I don't necessarily think it is anymore, but hypothetically it might be morally better. Well, but we just lost all of our listeners. <laughs> but, but, um, and just because I might do good in that area, which I'm, I'm not even a vegan anymore, but I'm vegetarian. But just let's say I am doing really good in that area. Yeah. And, and it is morally better. Well, how am I doing in another area of my life? Am I coveting all the time? Am I um, filled with bitterness mm. and anger? Uh, do I gossip or slander? Um, am I looking at pornography every night? Mm -hmm. Like, I think as Christians, it's continuing to be aware of the reality of our sin in, uh, in our entire life. So mm -hmm. what if we're really good here? Mm -hmm. We're probably deplorable somewhere else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's just human existence. And I think that makes it easier to approach someone else in the conversation on that subject yeah but when you forget that and you make the cause in your mind the morals in your mind the ultimate mm. then it doesn't matter that you're not doing good anywhere else because you can condemn everyone because they're not hitting what you've decided and that's arbitrary it's what you've decided this one thing is the is ultimate the thing, thing. yeah yeah okay that's a really good answer Nathaniel. i like um 
Yeah, I mean, when you go to the Sermon on the Mount like that, it's, yeah. I mean, scholars debate, like, what is the main point of the Sermon on the Mount? And one camp is, the point was to show you that you can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> when you read the Sermon on the Mount, you're like, that's heaven. Yeah. And we don't have that yet. Right. And when I try it, I'm good for like a week and yeah. I start falling apart. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I cannot do this. It's really yeah. hard. Well, and, it's and, really good. And in reality, we're not even moving towards that as a society. Mm. Like, oh, we're so much better than we used to be. Really? I think I think in some areas, but we're probably even worse in others. Like, mm. morality isn't on a general upward track mm. unless unless we have Jesus, mm. and that's where morality can move. Hopefully upward and onward but not for the sake of being moral but for the sake of being like christ and bringing him glory you mean like this is going to get us into a wild conversation (laughs) but it's fun i like how passionate you are right there you guys can't see his arms were all over the place he's he's pointing in one direction morally um so you mean like if people aren't christians the world becomes morally worse yes okay well because moral i mean and i think Lewis has said that as much as we've read through this book. Like, truly to be un... Like, true selflessness is not possible outside of Christ. He says something to that effect. I'm not saying that. That's how I understood a statement he made earlier in the book. Um, But I do think... Moral failure... How do I say this? I'm thinking again. Because I, I got a lot of questions. I, I don't think, if Jesus isn't in the picture, the world is going to be a worse place. Hmm. Period. What do you think of like? So um, I'm thinking of uh, the word providence. Or we just say like God's grace. I mean, um, if God's presence was not on the earth here with us now, this would be hell. And in a lot yeah. of in a lot of ways, it is. It feels that way. Um, but God's presence is here, and for that reason, I'd like to think that um, whether or not people are believers or servants of Jesus, um, there's still a lot of good. Sure. And so I wonder if the world can still continue to get better and better, even apart from God, in the sense of God's presence is still here. And God imparts his gifts on people whether we think they deserve it or not. Um, which makes people capable of doing any good at all. And then making the distinction of that with like, well, we as a society can look at what people do and say they did a good thing. Um, but we would never say like what they did was pleasing to God because how could it be if they like want nothing to do with God? Mm. You know what I mean? So I try to carry that distinction. I don't know. A lot of these things, like, um, when we, I affirm that things are not pleasing in God's eyes if a person wants nothing to do with God. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like, um, yeah, I do what my mom says, but I haven't talked to my mom in years. I, I don't want to see her. It'd be like, yeah. that just sounds kind of strange. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, Martin Luther, he's, uh, or I'm sorry, Calvin and his, um, the Institutes of the Christian Religion, he says in his first couple of chapters that people 
Um, I mean, they are not good apart from God. But then he gives this clarifying statement. He says, but what I mean by that is that everyone is deserving of dignity and respect. Sure. And so I just like really want to clearly delineate that like, if we say like no one is good apart from God, it doesn't mean that people are are worthless dirtbags absolutely. that I should look down on. Yeah, absolutely. You know I, mean? I agree with you. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. So the statement of like the world is just uh, worse and worse morally apart from God. I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to give another perspective yeah. on that because I, I think I would like to think that because of God's grace and His providence here, even for people who don't believe. I mean, if I just like. If I turn around the Sermon on the Mount, like you said, back on myself, I think, man, there's a lot of people where if people looked at me versus someone else who didn't believe but was doing great things, that person doing great things is going to have way more of a following than I am. You know what I mean? And uh, that's a tough thing for me to, like, try to piece apart then because, like, well, I want people to love Jesus even more than what I am doing. Yeah. I want people to serve Jesus and experience Him more than I have. Yeah. Um, but my example is not always conducive to that yeah. conclusion. Yeah. And it's, it's convicting when you read something like from Paul where it says, follow my example as I follow Christ. It's like, uh, how about no? Who can say that? <laughs> yeah. Who's bold enough to say that? Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. So No, I, I'm not trying to claim that I'm morally superior. I just, what I mean when I talk about it is, I think the only hope for the world is Jesus. And I think the only hope for growing in our moral character is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that in the world. And I think we like to try and not see that because we want to see the best in things but I think in reality we look at how people are thinking mm. and we go oh, that's just not right mm. Like this is moral degeneration mm. on a societal scale in a lot of ways I don't want to get too political and name point things but mm-hmm. hopefully peop- you know, it brings stuff to people's minds but it's like that's not getting better mm we as a human humanitarian society are not making that better Hmm. um you know we may identify with a cause and go we need to do this and make it better and really we go you know the world's still really messed up even though we've done all this work Hmm. i think the only hope for the future is jesus um and if he's not a part of the picture You might be able to do good things, and you might do some good in your lifetime, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to make any real lasting, eternal, problem-solving yeah. impact. There was this theologian way back when in the Puritan uh, reform movement named William Perkins. Have you heard that name before? I have. He came up with this um, this like theological theory, if you will, called... Um, the golden chain and the golden chain always stood out to me because he had like this little diagram of like here's what it looks like for a person who like god never calls and is never saved Mm -hmm. and they just kind of live their life however they want apart from god die that's the end 
and then you have two sets of like believers and you see their trajectories so, like one believer senses God's call response experiences some kind of change that the Holy Spirit brings about in their lives like they start doing good things they clean up their act they start treating their their family better whatever yeah but it only lasts for a time and then they just kind of fade back into their old life and that's Mm -hmm. their life apart from god and then the last person is the one who really has that like effective call however you want to put it where they sense god's call they respond to it their life is changed and they stay on that path the rest of their lives trying to be more and more obedient to God. Yeah. The thing that stands out to me is like, I think a lot of the disservice done and the embarrassments of Christianity was that middle trajectory of people who have sensed God's call, but then they do things that are just uh, morally embarrassing to other Christians. Yeah. And the Christians who are really trying to be obedient to God their whole lives. I mean, by by the grace of God, right? by the power of the Holy Spirit, they look at that and they say what you said, that, man, what they did was just flat out wrong. Like, who in their right mind would look at that and support that? Yeah. So I think the issue is, like, knowing, like... <laughs> Like the, I don't I don't know how to put it like the the good sheep from the wolves in sheep's clothing like yeah. people who say they're Christian and are making a a bad example, but the caveat at the same time and I just go around and around in this <laughs> argument as you can tell is like who am I to ever look at any other person and say wow look at how just morally repulsive they are. So, like, there's always this balance, right? Like, right. I can look at other Christians and judge their actions. Well, at the same time, you've got to know when to hold up the mirror. Yes. And say, well, look at me, too. Yeah. Yeah, what a tricky thing to do. Yeah. I, I heard one pastor put it as, like, you know, the scriptures are clear that when Jesus says, before you look at your brother and say, wow, look at the speck in their eye. He says, first, pull out the plank in your eye. But for what reason? It was so that then you could make the clearer judgment about the person you were condemning or whatever. But that's one interpretation of that. Because when you look at the, the Greek words of the New Testament used for judge, I mean, those words were specifically reserved for God's action. So like it's hard it's hard for me at least to know that I have any place in judging <laughs> other people at least not in that sense of knowing like who's worthy or not of meriting God's love for all of eternity you know what I mean like a, how could I make that claim I can't look at anybody and say you know I can just declare from here on out that they're just out of it for all of eternity <laughs> Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who has the right to do something like that? So, I, I just say all of that is like, these are always the the caveats in my mind that maybe they're helpful, maybe not, to help me try to balance all this to know that at many times I want to criticize and judge other people. But man, uh, at the same time, it feels like it takes a lot of work to be able to do something like that in the first place. Because there's a lot of self-examination that has to happen, you know? Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are on all that. I think 
I think we have to... I think we need to try and continually hold the mirror up <laughs> so that we can remain in a place of humility. And I think one of the... I think you'll see often two things in, in the world from Christians today. One is you'll see sinfulness or immorality judged and people will go, they're so judgmental. Mm. Look at those self-righteous people. Mm. And then you'll see that everything is acceptable and nobody ever calls anything out. Mm. Nobody ever says, you know what, man, I love you, but that's really not okay that you're doing this. Mm. It's not okay that you're stealing money from the register drawer every night from your boss and mm -hmm. they don't know it or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just an example. but. Um, and so no sin is dealt with. Right. And neither one of those is biblical. Mm -hmm. What we see consistently from Jesus, from Paul, from the disciples who wrote in the New Testament mm -hmm. is that sin is called out. Yeah. Sin is dealt with. And it's critical that it is dealt with. Mm -hmm. It has to be. We don't see it ignored. We don't see it celebrated. We don't see it embraced. We don't see people just... Oh, it's okay. God loves you. Don't worry about it. Mm. No, you, you sinned, and that's a big deal. Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead, like <laughs> uh, at Peter's feet. Like mm. sin has it has to be taken seriously. But at the same time, we are also consistently reminded that we should live in a place of humility mm. and grace. Mm -hmm. And so there is a tricky balance we have to tr try and meet. And I think that's what. Where when I hear the world start to call the church out for its hypocrisy, I just, anymore, I kind of just water off a duck's back. I do not care if you think <laughs> we're hypocritical. Because the reality is, so are you. Mm. If you are not a believer, you are just as much a hypocrite as I am. Mm. You don't meet up to your own standards and your belief systems and what you set forth as your moral ideals. You don't meet those on a regular daily basis just like I don't, mm -hmm. because we're all human, mm -hmm. and we're all fallen, and we all fall short of the grace of God. Like, we, we no, none of us meet that standard. So I don't worry so much about whether the world thinks the church is full of hypocrites, right. because the world is full of hypocrites. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we can just do the best we can to try and hold up that mirror so that we're aware of our sinfulness and remain humble and gracious and loving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. while also not being afraid to say, man, we need to deal with sin. Yeah. I mean, people are people, regardless <laughs> yeah. of whether you call yourself Christian or not. Like, right. we have to realize that. Yeah. You know? Like, just because you walk into a church building, you almost want to tell people, like, if you invited a friend who actually said yes, yeah. right, <laughs> and, came, and came with you to your church, you stop them at the door before entering in and say, hey, can we just make this explicit? The people inside this no this building are no different yeah. than outside of this building. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's going to be some people in here who, after service, they're going to yell at the person at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, that's they're true. They're going to be the jerk who turns off five people who are never going to step foot in church. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that. that's a reality. Right. There's also some people in here who are going to give the $30 tip at Starbucks. Yeah, they're going to pay They're going to yeah. pay for the person behind them right. who had the five venti 
Whatever. Right, or cover the groceries for the family of six behind them in the grocery line who doesn't know if they can make the grocery bill this yeah. month, you know? I mean, yeah. there's both people in the church. Right, <laughs> right. If I could put like a, um, like a light spin on it all from the opposite direction, it is, there's also the affirmation that um, if, if there's no good that people can do apart from God, it should also be true that the good people do is also the revelation of like divine trajectory <laughs> what i mean by that is like the good that people do is showing that that's what god always wanted in the first yeah. place yeah so when people do good it would be good to affirm it and be like that's what god has always wanted that's a good point yeah so i think that there's still room to affirm the good things that people do or just try to do like however you want to call it a little nudge yeah to show people like hey I see, like, what you do is, like, so God-affirming, whether or not you yeah. want anything to do with God yeah. or not. And that could be good. Yeah. You know, I don't see any harm in that. I think that's a really good perspective. I hadn't thought about that, but I think it's a good perspective, and it, it goes right along with the idea that the kindness of God is what leads to repentance. Mm -hmm. Like, not just... I still think there is a need to deal with sin somehow some way some level and it's going to be different for each situation yeah but i also i think that's a really good perspective to be like um not just what you shouldn't do but look you did this and i know you're my atheist friend but man that really is honoring to god whether you like it or not you know you are my atheist you are my best <laughs> you're the good one yeah no, no. no i don't but i just mean to say as you pointed out whether or not you believe like that action honors god yeah like that, that to that would me be shows that god yeah. exists yeah because god is not just telling me what's good or bad god is the very creation and understanding of what is good or bad so when i see uh, good actions i know that that has to be from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, yeah. Whether or not the person is going to affirm that or not is whatever. But I just see it as like the person who's going to work every day, making a living, supporting their family, and uh, they're making the business more productive and it's helping society and just promoting our good old consumerism or whatever. Like, <laughs> um, I think there's... God honoring qualities in that or what they're doing is is divine but in that person's eyes they, they may or may not be doing it to worship God but I think it is at least pointing to God's goodness you know what I mean I think I could I think I could get on board with that the idea that it's pointing to God's goodness you know? yeah yeah so I would like to affirm <clears throat> that in people yeah whether or not I'm really good at that is a whole nother maybe the next podcast. I'm but. the I'm probably the worst at it. I'm I'm not the I'm not the the guy that's going to chew you out in the Starbucks line. I would never do no, that. But no. but I'm also not the guy that's going to strike up a deep relational conversation either. I'm going to pay you, give you your tip, and go because <laughs> that's just I don't ever think beyond that. Yeah. 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 So well, it's been a really good conversation, and ah. Uh, uh, 
if we I mean our benediction for this podcast I think is like let your virtues be in your will and your bad habits be in your imagination yeah (laughs) (laughs) and not the other way around yeah because that would be I think that would be good and and really you know screw tape and you read it already Greg but I think it was a good um he says all sorts of virtues painted in fantasy and approved by the intellect or even in some measure loved and admired will not keep a man from our father's house meaning the devil or hell indeed they may make him more amusing when he gets there now that sounds gloomy and dark but i'm i'm going to put a more positive spin on it and just to say this is this is to say we can't earn it yeah. we're all morally corrupted mm-hmm. and um, it's only the grace of God that will will allow us to avoid that, that fate mm-hmm. that Screwtape is talking about you've been listening to Only an Inkling If you like this podcast, you already know what to do.